Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by Three Lions Pub, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. From the NWSL, MLS, U.S. national teams, and all the way to the youth levels. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Happy New Year, Simon. How are we doing? Happy New Year, Baxter. Doing okay. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's good to see you face-to-face instead of seeing you through a computer like we did the last time we had a show. How's the how's the, the hernia? How's everything feeling? It's, I, well, I've got my, uh, got my post-op checkup on Thursday. Okay. So we'll know from there, but I'm walking around. That's sl- good. Slipped on the ice, but caught myself today without, oh, no. you know, ripping anything apart. Wouldn't that so. have been uh, this, the icing on the cake? You, you get a surgery to repair one thing and then you fall and tear something right. else, right? Yeah. That's just yeah. usually how the cruel world that we live in sometimes falls. No, we've got it. We, it's exciting. No, we're, it's good to be back uh, yeah. with you, Simon. And uh, Well, how was how was your New Year's celebration? It was good. We, we traveled a lot for uh, with my with my wife and, and son Beckham to go see family, which was a lot of fun. Um, Beckham got a little sick, and we all kind of got a little sick uh, towards the end of the trip, which is to be expected when you're gone from, from your home base for 10 days so but uh it's good it's good to be home that's the, that's the real Excellent. honestly part of well, it welcome though. back thank you thank you i appreciate it we've got a great show for you today uh we'll be joined by milwaukee wave head coach giuliano oliviero in our second segment to check in on how the wave are doing this year uh we went into in depth about the wave and a couple other teams uh last week on the show two weeks ago rather on the show to checking in on the masl it'll be good to see uh how ian bennett who we apparently heard has just been scoring goals left and right so it'll be cool to get coach's perspective on that and up and down and anyway where you can think of he's scoring goals. He really is. It's <laughs> incredible. And uh, we'll also hear uh, from Bianca Verrar of Vavle USA in our third segment to help us sort through everything going on with Crystal Dunn and the NWSL. Uh, the draft is right around the corner and uh, a lot of other fun things happening in the women's soccer world. Even though it's the offseason, it's been a busy offseason, no matter where you are. Yeah, it seems like a, a more busy offseason than any other we've experienced before with women, especially with women's soccer, but even with MLS as well. A lot of player movement going on. Yeah, it's been actually incredible to, to try to follow everything, except when I look at the revolution i just laugh and say i'm just kidding we didn't sign anybody and then i just move on with my life because we don't ever do anything but that's not the point what we do do is we talk about soccer though uh, on tuesdays and thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m central time right here on spreaker.com and you can find all other information about the show and catch on demand and past shows by going to our website to upfrontsoccer.com you can also find us on facebook uh just put two up front in that search bar you'll find us 
By the way, give our page a like. Let's start 2017 with a uh, a robust movement of likes on that Facebook page. You can also find us on Twitter at Two Upfront Soccer. Make sure you're using the number two. He is at Baxter Colburn, and I am at Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Uh, we'll start with our kicker on, which is brought to you by Too Much Metal for One Hand. Uh, this happened while we were on break, of course, because why give us something really exciting and good to talk about when we actually are on the air? But uh, Bob Bradley, Swansea City, they said thanks. It's been fun. Eleven matches. You're done. Go back to America because nobody wants you. Apparently, was it was it a little premature? Yes. I, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked about it beforehand. How he really? It's tough to let a coach go without giving them at least tr- one transfer window. I agree. Uh, I think the owners were really. Wanting to, well, somehow keep the fans happy. The fans aren't happy there, but it's just been way too much turno- turnover. You, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, quite a few Premier League managers came out and uh, and had a few scalding words for Swansea. Uh, we're actually very supportive of Bob Bradley. Which so is I, good. I, I don't care what the fans think. I don't care what other American fans think. When you've got Premier League managers coming out and saying, you know what, this guy actually knew what he was doing. And it's terrible that you didn't give him the time to do what he wanted to do. Exactly. Uh, that, that says a lot. There's not much that you can honestly accomplish in 11 games. There just isn't, from a manager perspective. No, especially when you're, when you're taking over a club that's in disarray like Swansea was. And exactly. you know, Bob's whole point was, look, when he, when he took over Staubach in Norway, he had a trial of about 12 or 13 games before he finally got the players where he wanted them to play. Exactly. And, and that's what you saw. And yeah, he was giving up a lot of, uh, his club was giving up a lot of goals defensively, and, and he was putting different players in different positions. But... It all came out of the fact that Swansea's very weak on defense. Yes. You know, the, the one thing Bob faulted with, um, and it's interesting because we had a couple of people uh, reach out to us on Facebook when Bob first got hired that were talking yep. about how you know he's just going to bring boring soccer to Swansea. He actually did just the opposite. He did. It was exciting to see this guy go for because they really had nothing to lose at that point in the season. Well, and... and, and that's the one thing I'd actually fault Bob for, and everybody's been saying that. So I, you know, I know I'm no expert on this, but when you're talking about a relegation battle, your first priority is to not let any goals in before Usually. you know scoring goals. Uh, but I think Bob Bradley wanted to win people over and say, you know what, we're going to stay up and we're going to do it in a fun way. Exactly. And I would agree with you on that one. Speaking of which, too, when we did uh, post the article, uh, one of the many articles that came out about Bob Bradley uh, being let go from Swansea, we actually had some good response on our Facebook page as well, too. Uh, Matthew wrote, uh, revolving door in the EPL, poor guy didn't stand a chance. Uh, He needed enough time to get through a transfer window to get some new blood on the team. Uh, He had a couple other points as well, too, but that kind of goes back to what you were saying. You just didn't have enough time. Uh, let's see, uh, Andrea said, as expected, Riley said, I thought it wouldn't last, or I knew it wouldn't last. I thought this one was interesting. Frode said, inherited a very poor squad of players, didn't have much of a chance, really. Next job, the Norwegian national team. Well, Frode's actually from Norway. Uh, I, I've known Frode since uh, my high school days. Him and I had played together. Gr- oh, great guy, okay. by the way. And that was one of the beauties of Facebook is him and I were able to reconnect. But yeah, he, he he's a big Bob Bradley fan because of what Bradley did with Staubach. Yep. And, and Frode's not joking around. Apparently, there is news in Norway of a, at least fans pushing for mm-hmm. Bob to coach their national team. Why not? Exactly. He knows the country fairly well, so why not? Um, The final comment we got, too, was from Nick. He said, he is always going to be in a difficult position when the club started things off by selling a couple key players. 
but didn't ex- exactly uh, re- uh, reinvest and replace them with similar quality. So he really was dealt a bad hand from the beginning and just wasn't given enough time. Yeah, and Bob's fr- final words, by the way, this is from TalkSport.com, is I'm frustrated because I feel like every place I've been, I've been able to put my stamp on the team in terms of the mentality and the tactics. And he didn't hold back. He said, I am a little bit pissed off this morning about this. Is this the this. third manager for Swansea this year? Or this is, yeah, they're, they're, they're it will be. They will be now? on their third. I don't, yeah. I don't honestly know who their interim is on the top of, off the top of my head. Well, and, and their first game without Bob, they lost 3 nothing. So Yeah, well, that proves it. Bob was the answer. No, I don't know uh, if that well, was true I, or not. One thing we didn't have on our board here, Baxter, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to stay in the Premier League for a second, sure. if you don't mind shifting gears here. Giroud for Arsenal. Did oh, you see his goal? Oh, my goodness. Incredible. Now, here's here's my point about the whole thing. Yeah, the goal was incredible, and he came out and said, look, I was I was lucky. It was the only thing I could do was, yeah. was try to pull my foot back and hit it off my heel. If you haven't seen that goal, go on any website and just type in Giroud for Arsenal and you'll mm-hmm. find it. But Baxter, the thing that amazed me the most about this goal that many people aren't talking about is actually the build-up to it. Yeah. If, if you go back far enough to see the highlight of this, Crystal Palace takes the ball into Arsenal's defensive third. Arsenal wins the ball, plays it all the way upfield, not just a long ball, but they actually work it through the midfield, yeah. outside, cross it in, Giroud scores in 15 seconds. In 15 seconds, they won the ball back near their penalty area, moved it all the way upfield with one or two touches from each player and scores a goal. And that's what you want. I mean, that, that it reminded me a lot of uh, the USA goal for Landon Donovan, that the way the ball started in that's the back right. and they progressed right. up the field. It was a couple of passes through the midfield, and then finally, boom, there was the goal at the end. But realistically, I've seen a couple of goals in the Premier League this season where you just you look at the player and you're like, how did you... Right. At what point, when the, you're flying through the air and the ball is coming at you, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like, really? It's like, I... That's why they're in the Premier League, I well, guess. Well, this, this is one of the things that I certainly hope to see in MLS in some time because that's that's the type of buildup, uh, I'm sorry, not sorry, that you don't see in MLS. Agreed. You know, the, the, the quick turnaround with the ball. Now, again, you see them where they send the ball along and somebody scores, but not this tactical awareness, the 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 precise passing that needs to happen, the quick one-two touches, you rarely see that in MLS, and I certainly hope someday we do. I certainly hope so, too. We saw some teams, like in FC Dallas, among others, be really possessive in the midfield, which I think is great, and we saw moments of that from Toronto as well, too, but... Yeah, a lot of teams, like the U.S. men's national team, are well, they're working on it, but it's that one-two ball, boom, ball over the top, hope for the best. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, play defense right. for you know another three-fourths of the game. Oh, one another chance. Oh, over the top. Oh, we lost it again. It's just unrealistic, honestly. Yeah, you're playing the wrong sport. If you want to play football and you're taking deep shots, well, then that might end up happening. But when you have to control the ball with your foot instead of your hands kind of difficult that's to be right. consistent that's with right. that. And, I, and I, last thing I want to say about the Premier League was happy to uh, see my Everton win 3-0. Yeah. Still in seventh place. They got quite a bit to go. Manchester United on a six-game win streak, Baxter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're definitely... Um, Mourinho finally inspired them. Well, he and Zl- I think he and Zlatan are finally inspired to actually take this league. True. That is <laughs> I true. Take this club seriously. But, uh, but yeah, Manchester United in sixth place. They're, they're gunning for that. Are they in fifth? I think, they actually, they may have moved up to fifth place, which Are is the, really? uh, the final spot for Europe this year. Of course, that's the Europa League. The other they two just spots, want to play European soccer. I mean, they're playing Europa League soccer yeah, right now. And they're doing well. Yeah. They're doing well. And, uh, you know, uh, it's 
used to be where two teams from England would qualify for the Europa League out of the standings, but now it's the FA Cup winner and the League Cup winner hmm. and the fifth place team. So uh, Interesting. United needs to get at least in that fifth place, but I, I would certainly like to see Everton get up there, but not with the way United's playing right now. And that's the thing, too. You look at the Premier League quickly. The, those top five, six teams are all those teams that you'd expect. There's really no Leicester cities this season. You know, you usually there's... In the beginning of the year, you've got those teams that are flying up the table that's like, holy cow, like, look at how great this team is. Is this the, is this the year? And then after a little bit of time, the, you know, everything really starts to settle in. It's like, okay, there's the big five again. Now we can go yep. back to business yeah, as usual. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think that's why sometimes the Premier League comes under fire because it's like, well, it's a table. It's like if we had a playoff, maybe more upsets would happen. I don't know. Well, and other people then turn it the other way. Or, exactly. Oh, well, last thing, actually. I said last thing about the Premier League, but yeah. Brad Guzan. Yeah. Finally got to play 90 minutes. 0-0 zero, zero against the uh, 16th place. Leicester, something like that. But uh, places in middle. It was Middlesbrough, and they can't be much higher. I, at least I would. Uh, they're, I think they're right around the middle of the table. Wouldn't that be funny if Leicester gets relegated this year after their well, season Well, right last now, season? the way they're playing, it looks like, of course, they didn't have they Vardy didn't really played again. They lose a lot of players, though, then in the offseason, which is the funny part. Had they lost Vardy and Mares and a couple other guys, I'd be like, well, yeah, this Leicester City's team is doomed. But... That's not the case. I don't know. Yeah. I, we'll have to see, I guess. You know, we will, but, we, but congratulations to Gazan for at least uh, getting a point for, for Middlesbrough. You're absolutely right. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we'll have our first guest joining us on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. It'll be Coach Giuliano Oliviero of the Milwaukee Wave. Stay tuned. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. We are rolling on with the show. Remember, if you want to get at the show anytime uh, while we're live on the air, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, at Two Up Front Soccer, the number two, of course, not the T-W-O or T-O or T-O-O or however you spell two. Regardless, uh, we get to move on and uh, rejoin a conversation that we have had a couple times on the show with the head coach of the Milwaukee Wave, Giuliano Oliviero. He joins us now on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. Coach, good afternoon, sir. Welcome to Two Up Front. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, Coach. It's good to have you on. Uh, congratulations, first of all, on that big win over Chicago recently. Uh, you made the uh, the MASLsoccer.com uh, uh, website for, for that big win, so congratulations on that. Uh, talk about beating that that rivalry. I'm sure it's got to inspire the guys this, early, this late in the season. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, Chicago, uh, after that game, they're, they're now 5-3, five and three, and we're 5-5 five and five in the win line. And, and it was a very big win for us. Uh, we were able to go down there on December 10th in Chicago. And, and beat them as well. So back-to-back games against Chicago, 
they're in your division. Uh, we're going to see them again on uh, January 14th. Uh, every time we play them, it's a very big game with, with playoff uh, implications. So i got to imagine that Ian Bennett just loves playing against the Chicago Mustangs. Seven goals in one game and six goals in that New Year's Eve game. Yeah, really, really unbelievable performances in both games. Uh, you know, just knowing where to be, uh, the timing of his runs, uh, you know, his, his finishing. Uh, anyone that on the team that watches him on a daily basis, they know. He puts in the extra work. He, he's there before practice. He's there after practice working on his shot. Um, you know, it's no real big surprise that that he's scoring goals, but uh, to be scoring double hat-tricks um, at this level is is pretty impressive. Yeah, you don't see that very often. I know in indoor soccer, obviously, it, some might say it's a little easier. You might disagree, Coach, since you've been around the game, obviously, a long time and understand the, the inner workings of it. But talk to me about your division right now. You guys are in fourth place. You're 5-5, five and five, as you mentioned. Kansas City's 6-4, and four, Chicago's 5-3, and three, and then Cedar Rapids, I think Simon and I were talking about this two weeks ago, kind of the surprise of the season thus far. But what do you guys need to do to get into to one of those playoff qualifying spots with you know two good teams very close to uh, closely ahead of you? Yeah, it's definitely not going to be easy. Um, you know, Cedar Rapids uh, deservedly in first place. Uh, they put together um, a team with a ton of experience, and and uh, you know they're, they're pulling out games. Uh, you know, maybe games that our young team uh, is learning to pull out. So. Uh, we control our own destiny. That's how we feel with the amount of times we play Cedar Rapids. We play, we play them twice. We play Chicago twice. We play Kansas City once. So we still feel that we control our own destiny. Um, have we put ourselves in, in a difficult spot? Absolutely. But um, having head-to-head matchups coming up shortly with, with all these division rivals, um, it balls in our court, and you know we we got to be able to hold serve and, and get back in this playoff race. Of course, Giuliano, we, we talk about Ian Bennett, but i got to imagine when you have a player like Max Ferdinand on the team, he's got to be incredibly important, leading the league right now with assists with 16. What is, you know, how important is Max to your squad? With Marcio being out uh, sideline with an injury since the start of the year, and we probably don't have him uh, till uh, early to mid-February, Max. I mean, Max, unbelievable. Okay. When it comes to vision on the field and and making players around you better. I mean, Max, Max, a big part of Ian's success. Uh, you know, Ian, Ian works hard at his game, but, you know, to have a player like Max feed him in the right, the right time, in the right areas of the field is, is great. Um, can't say enough good things about the way he's performed uh, so far this season. Talking with Coach Giuliano Oliviero on the shopfutsal.com call-in line of the Milwaukee Wave. Uh, Coach, you have six home games remaining down the stretch. You finish off with a three-game homestand as well to close out the year against Cedar Rapids, Kansas City, and Chicago. Are you hoping to be a little bit closer to that first, second-place battle before you get to that point, or are you going to do it like the Green Bay Packers and leave it to the last game of the season (laughs) for that title? Yeah, no, we definitely hope to be a little closer. Um, one of one of the issues that we found that we've had as a team, uh, we went on a two-game winning streak, and then we came home for, after beating Chicago, and we came out with a very complacent performance against uh, very very mediocre performance against Syracuse. And uh, we just got to make sure things like that don't happen again. Now we're coming off a big winning at home against Chicago. We have St. Louis coming in here. They're they're struggling in the standings a little bit, but you know what? Uh, they're not far off, and, and we just got to make sure that we we take care of ourselves and, and what we need to do. So when those last three uh, home games come around, that we are 
we are definitely back in this uh, playoff race. And the other thing is, I mean, both teams have to play each other as well. I know Cedar Rapids hosts Chicago this Friday, so, you know, somebody's got to lose that game. So <laughs> we're, True. We're, we're going to gain ground on somebody this, this week. Of course, Giuliano, you and uh, Everton played together on the way of Everton being the head coach of Cedar Rapids. Do you guys still stay in contact and, and talk about the league at all? Um, yeah, I mean, Everton still lives in Milwaukee, so definitely um, when he was putting his team together, I, we were in touch and in contact and, you know, a couple players that he signed, um, you know, I, I gave him a, a lot of compliments. You know, they got this uh, player, Angel uh, Ruiz Curio, that, that played in San Diego last year, and I I, we got to see him last year, and I mean, he was definitely on our radars as a player that has a, a positive future uh, in this game. Thought he was a great signing, and then you look at former Wave uh, player that won two championships here, Jonathan Santos. I mean, he has, in my opinion, uh, been the key to to see the rapid success along with those other veteran players. Coach, one of the things that we saw in the in the off season was a lot of players being signed. Uh, some from the Canadian national team futsal team. You signed a couple of new goalkeepers as well. Uh, sometimes the goalkeepers get left in the dust based off of just all the offensive goals taking place. But tell us a little bit about the, your goalkeepers this season and what you've liked and not liked from the from Josh Lemos and Rafael Diaz. Uh, you know what? Both of them have have done uh, fantastic. You know. Uh, Rafael Diaz is 0-3 on the season, and you know what? He's he's been unfortunate. He's been unlucky. Two of those games were in overtime, and and uh, the other game was the first game of the season where uh, you know we, we just did not play well for him. Players in front of him, so uh, unfortunate for him that he's 0-3. He, in my opinion, is one of the top keepers in the league, and and then uh, you got Josh Lamos from the Canadian futsal team that. Never played indoor soccer before, but uh, has a ton of experience at futsal. Uh, came in, uh, we kind of threw him right into the fire on the road in Baltimore. And I mean, the, his ability with his feet and his ability to read the game—he uh, really, really impressed us. Uh, he's five and two on the season. Uh, you know, he played a great game in Chicago this this past weekend. Um, he's definitely overachieved for us. Uh, you know, more more than we expected. So. We're very happy with the with the tandem we have, and we know it's just a matter of time for Rafael to, to get going as well. Coach, you had mentioned uh, that your next game is against St. Louis. That's January 7th at 1 o'clock, the Willy Wonka Candyland game. Uh, I love all the promotions that the Wave does, by the way, with all their games. Uh, what, what can we expect? You guys have only won back-to-back games once this season. You have an opportunity, obviously, now to do it a second time this season. What can the fans expect to see on Saturday? Uh, you know what? I, I think uh, I think they're going to see an exciting game. Uh, we're going to push uh, push hard on the offensive side of the ball. We want to be organized defensively, but I think uh, whoever comes out to watch the game is going to see a lot a lot of uh, a lot of exciting uh, moments. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, it's the Wave scoring a lot of goals on the offensive end. You look at it. Andre Hain played in St. Louis uh, last year. You know he. He's been hampered with an ankle injury, and he's played the last two games for us. He's slowly getting his stride back, but I'm sure he's going to want to impress against his old team. Uh, Chad Vandergriff had a hat trick against Chicago, played phenomenal, his best game of the season. He was in St. Louis the past three seasons. And then uh, when you look over there, they got former Wave players, Corey Adamson, uh, great kid, uh, great professional, and, and they got uh, a player in Stefan St. Louis who. Who uh, anyone that knows this game, if if he gets hot, 
I mean, he's he's one of the best target forwards in the league. All right, Coach. Well, we do wish you the best of luck with that game. We'll stay in touch with you throughout the season, but uh, thanks again for joining us on Two Up Front. Guys, thanks for having me. Anytime, Coach. Anytime. There goes Coach Giuliano Oliviero of the Milwaukee Wave on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. When we return, we will have Bianca Verrar, Queen Bee, as she likes to go by, joining us on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line to break down the Crystal Dunn move to Chelsea. Oh, you haven't heard? Well, yeah, Twitter's losing their mind. And aside from that, we'll talk about the NWSL draft and much more. Stay with us. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Lions Pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is just the place for me. They've got everything. Great pub food, a wonderful selection of draft beers, and a brilliant atmosphere, especially during Premier League matches. Check out the Three Lions Pub menu at threelionspub.com, where you can also find all their specials and the great events that take place throughout the year. Three Lions Pub, where across the pond is now across the street. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Happy New Year from us here at Two Up Front. We appreciate your consistent and continuous listenership with us uh, in 2016. 2017 is going to be a fun year, Simon, wouldn't you say? It's certainly looking to uh, to be that way, Baxter. Yeah, we're excited for it. All right, we get to have an opportunity to bring on a good friend of the show. Uh, her close friends call her Queen Bee. We are honored and privileged to call her that as well, too. But it's Bianca Verar. She's the lead NWSL editor over at Vavil USA. Bianca, welcome back to Two Up Front. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. You know, just enjoying the fact I don't have school. <laughs> I was just about to say, are you enjoying being off of school now? For How, how much more time do you still have before you have to go back? Um, I think I start school the 26th, so you, it's you, about a month. <laughs> I, I like how you're just like, ah, we'll see. That might be when it starts. I, I really don't, honestly, know. Which is a, it's a good problem to have, I guess, when you're in college. you got to enjoy it. Life, life hits you too hard in the face at some point, so just take it slow. All right. uh, Speaking of life hitting you in the face, uh, Crystal Dunn announcing today that she is moving out of Washington and heading to London to join Chelsea Women's Football Club in the Women's FA. What was your immediate reaction when you heard that uh, one of the league's best and brightest was jumping ship over to England? Um, I wasn't too surprised she was leaving. It was the fact that it was England out of all places because I feel like everyone was speculating, you know, like Lyon or PSG, but... She kind of just surprised everyone with that one. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you on that one. That was we saw her uh, her Twitter feed. I think it was about a week or two ago, saying, "Oh, I'm visiting in France for the month," and everyone's like, "Oh, she's leaving to France. She's leaving to France." And then, yeah, I, I, Simon was the one that told me. He was like, "She's going to Chelsea." I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> is this uh, is this going to be a reoccurring trend? I, I'm curious if it actually is going to be. Are we going to see more top players jump ship out of the NWSL? 
Um, I honestly feel like they could, especially with the way I know some players are unhappy with how things are going in the NWSL, just the way things are run and stuff like that. But I was actually on Twitter just before this, and I was looking at what everyone was saying about Crystal Dunn leaving, and because she's left only out of all the four NWSL MVPs, only one stays, and that's Lynn Williams. She's the only um, MVP from all four years that are, is still in the league. That's interesting. That's a, that's a fun little tidbit. I did not know that. Well, yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> well, and it says a lot, too, the fact that Crystal Dunn is gone, Ellie Krieger's gone, and, and Krieger was pretty much open about her resentment of the spirit and how things were run and, and requested that trade to Orlando. But what's more concerning for me is the fact that you have somebody like Crystal Dunn who who did come out and say, I will not be back in the NWSL in 2017. So this isn't like the Alex Morgan deal where Morgan's going to France and then she'll be back with Orlando in June or so. Uh, but it, it does say a lot about the NWSL and how they got to figure out how they can pay their players more. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it's just, I know a lot of players want to experience that overseas, but to see them leave and not come back for the following NBSL season to a team where they are very valued is just very interesting to me. And it's kind of saying that NWSL needs to start changing their ways if they want the top players in the world to come over from abroad. Well, and that's just the thing is for a number of years, you know, the first four years of its, of its, its existence, you did see the better players coming over here, but now you've got... Um who is it from from Seattle? Kim Little? Yeah, Kim yeah. Little going back to Arsenal. Going back to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Of course, th- these two players now leaving as well. You know, we've seen other players get up and leave the NWSL. It does make you concerned for the future of the league, you know, or does it does it basically become the W League in Australia where it's a great league, but it's more of a uh, a place for players to go in the off season? Um, I just feel like it's just very complicated, especially with players like Crystal Dunn and Alex Morgan leaving, especially since, you know, with the CBA and everything going on with the equal pay movement, it's just a lot of factors to it, but also just the volumes it speaks that players don't want to stay here. They don't want to keep playing for this league and improving it. They want to go abroad and see if they have better options. That just says a lot to me about where we are with women's soccer in America. And to top all of this off, if, if I don't know if either of you have heard this as well, rumors are that Heather O'Reilly uh, is looking also to play with Arsenal. I could see that, yeah. I, 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 I mean, th- she's retired from the national team, but yeah. she's still a shining star in the NWSL. Oh, 100%. She's a very capable player. We thought that Carly Lloyd might be going to Liverpool as well, too, before this last NWSL season. But y- you you have to wonder, though, too, if is this, going to, is this mass exodus, if it does end up being a mass exodus, the ultimate downfall of the NWSL? Are people going to want to go out to watch, no offense, you know, non-national team players, basically, or non-U.S. women's national team players play professional soccer when they could just go watch a college soccer game and get their their women's soccer fixed that way and then just stream you know premier league or you know the w league basically for you know to get their their fix from the bigger players that way yeah i just it's very there's just a lot of questions going on right now about all of it and i just feel like with the way they're handling things if they don't change the if they don't make sure these players stay or make sure that 
the league is getting the best of the best they possibly can, then they're definitely in trouble the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and I would agree with that. If, uh, if anything, it does it does talk a great deal about the Washington Spirit organization. And you were asking that <laughs> question as well, Simon, off the air. You're saying you were thinking that it might be an administrative thing. And didn't we say that Allie Krieger came out as well, too, and said that there was something afoot in the wind, basically, with what was going on in Washington, and which is sad because you, meant, you made the point off here, too, Simon. This is a team that was fighting for a championship. If they won the championship, is it, are we having this conversation? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. Is Krieger gone? Is Crystal gone? Or are any of those players gone? That's, I, I'm, I'm curious about that. Bianca, what do you think about that? If Washington were have won the championship, would we be having this conversation at all right now? Um, I feel like we possibly could still have. I don't feel like it'd be as drastic as having all of these players leave, but I feel like it's still something because I feel like the Spirit organization has been having issues the past couple of seasons with players and staff kind of going back and forth. And it just speaks volumes also that Christine Nairn, someone who has basically been a core part of the Spirit since she's gone there, yeah. has left and gone back to Seattle. Mm, yeah, and that was a that was a, a surprising move among others as well too. I'll be curious to see who Washington trots out now when it comes to the 2017 season. One way they could potentially do that is uh, through the uh, NWSL draft. They might be able to select a couple of players based off of either trades uh, or just their actual draft picks as a whole. But it's an exciting time, of course, because you bring in these new players, Bianca. A lot of them have U.S. women's national team experience or national team experience with their uh, their fellow country, depending on where they're from. Who are some of the players that you, you like heading into this draft, and where do you think they might potentially end up? Oh, man. Um, it's kind of a broad I, question, I know. But, yeah, you know, but obviously, uh, obviously know. gals like Rose Lavelle and Ashley Lawrence are on the top of a lot of people's draft boards. Yeah, uh, but Ashley Lawrence won't be here, so, you know, lost for the NWSL. That is sad, also, yeah. Yeah. Um, there are just so many players. I've heard this thrown around so many times that this class is the most powerful draft class I've ever seen and um, especially with the draft coming up and me writing about these players I I have to agree there are so many talented players and I know if these players don't get drafted they'll probably try to go abroad because that's just how many talented players we have but um, for my favorites obviously Jane Campbell's up there. Sure. Great. From Stanford um, yep. Um I'll probably I'll give you a couple of lower name play, like players people probably don't know as much about since okay. you know obviously we get the national team players all the time. Of course, of course. Um, Ariel Schiff from Cal, amazing. She won Pac-12 Player of the Year in 2015. First player from Cal to ever do that. You know, not even Alex Morgan was able to accomplish something like that um, at Cal. So she is great. She'd be a great forward for any teams that need a forward, which I know is not the Houston Nash because we have a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, Got to make sure they know how to score the goals. That's the real question. That's the real issue. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, other players. Oh man. There's there's a lot. Um, I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to my University of San Diego um, midfielder and defender Jackie Altschild. She is amazing, crafty. You would love to watch her. I'm sure. She kind of, kind of not completely reminds me of Tobin Heath with just how crafty she is and how. She's literally all over the field all the time, so if a team picks her up, I feel like they would definitely benefit from her. Um, I'm uh, trying to think. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you out of California for a second. <laughs> we, we, we do have a great midfielder here in Wisconsin, Rose Lavelle, who yeah, uh, may, may go as high as number one in this draft. She didn't have the best of years this last year, but spent time with the U20 World Cup team, and you know, overall, a very well-rounded player and very dangerous player as well. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. She's honestly been one of my favorites since I um, watched her at the U20 stage. She's been great, and I feel like um, I know Seattle could maybe use an attacking midfielder because they lost Kim Little, so if they want to go for it, they definitely should. Yeah, the door is open for that for that possibility, but uh, I'm curious to know how teams like Boston are going to rebuild and if they're going to be able to, because they've got a lot of draft picks in the first round, but I'm wondering if they're going to use the players properly that are available because when we had uh, when we had their head coach on Matt Beard a couple of weeks ago, he was saying that he doesn't believe that the women's game in America does does the proper way to prepare players from the college level to make the jump to the pro level. So I'm, I'm curious to see the players he does select and how he uses them once he selects them. Yeah, I'm super interested in that too. Um, I just feel like Boston is definitely on the rise this year and um, definitely with the international signings they've brought in so far, they look like they're going to do great, especially with Natasha Dowie overseas. Yeah. Scoring all tearing the it up. It's been crazy to see. Oh, yeah. Um, but with their draft picks, I feel like they just really need to think about where they feel like they need the most help. And obviously, you know, putting a bunch of rookies together in a lineup is kind of dangerous and obviously proves to be a little unsuccessful, especially for, you know, like younger teams who may have been expansion teams and stuff like that. But um, if they can be, if they can look at this draft class and pick what they feel is best for them, then I could see them winning the championship, honestly. There you go. That would be very interesting to say the least if that did actually take place. Well, Bianca, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for taking some time before we let you run. Where can people find your work and find you on social media? Well, everyone can find my writing on Vavil USA in the NWSL section. I tend to post a lot, so <laughs> I'll be read. Um, and on Twitter, I am on, at Bianca Verar. It's Bianca and then V-E-R-A-W-R. Awesome. All right, Bianca, it's always a pleasure. Let's do this again soon, all right? Of course. Always love to be here. All right. Thanks, Bianca. All right. There goes Bianca Ferrar on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. When we come back, we'll translate or transition rather into MLS. And uh, Simon and I are going to offer a very early 2017 wish list slash general predictions of what we more. I think what we hope will happen in 2017 in MLS. We'll talk about that and more right after this on Two Upfront presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Great conversations on the shopfutsal.com call in line today. We've had Coach Giuliano Oliviero, and we just heard from Bianca Ferrara of Avil USA. So two great guests. It's always good to have Bianca on the show to hear her perspective. Uh, no one really knows the women's game, maybe aside from Dan Laletta, better than Bianca Ferrara, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's one of the 
cool things that we get to do on the show, Baxter, is, is cover leagues that maybe the mainstream media doesn't cover Agreed. at all, yeah. uh, like the MASL and the NWSL. And it's cool to have people on who are experts about it. Exactly. You know, they make us sound a little smarter when yeah. we lean on them. You know, we just sit there and ask the right questions, and they do all the talking, and we're like, oh, absolutely, we completely agree with you on that. No, it, it's fun, though, to, to get players like that on the show. All right, Simon, I'm curious. 2016 from MLS was, was fun. It was special. It was disappointing if you're a Revolution fan. But that's maybe what we'll talk about at some point. Maybe more disappointing if you're a Portland Timbers fan to some extent as well, too, with all the injuries and all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm curious, as we move into 2017, the slate has been wiped clean. Seattle won the trophy. It wasn't a bad dream. It did actually happen. What are some of the things you are are hoping for or wishing for in 2017? Well, I don't think this is so much wishing for and hoping for as I am incredibly interested to see how the Houston Dynamo come out of the Mm. gate. They are making Mm -hmm. some great moves down in Houston. Wilmer Cabara, I've talked about this already on a previous show, but they have now recently signed Juan David Cabazaz on loan. I said his name totally wrong, but you you know who I'm talking about. Sure, On loan from uh, Deportivo Cali. So another another Hispanic player that they're bringing in. It, what what excites me about the Dynamo and why I point out that this player is Hispanic is that's all the players that Cabara is going after. Uh, apparently, their marketing. Now I was talking to some friends who are living down there. Their marketing campaign has been really strong this off season as well. So I think the Dynamo. Their fans are sick and tired of it, and yep. I think the organization itself is sick and tired of what the last few years have been. Basically, out of the playoffs, community not caring about them as much anymore, and them not seeming to care about the community. They're turning things around in Houston. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens I'm with honestly, the Dynamo. Yeah, I'm honestly curious about that, too. I think with everything that took place with the coaching issues and just how flat they fell last season after being real. I mean, Houston is one of those teams you expect them to contend. You don't expect them to always win the divi- win the conference, but you expect them to at least be a playoff caliber team every single season, and that obviously didn't happen last year, so big changes were needed, and we've seen that. Well, I, yeah, I think, and I think we're starting to see that with Cabara bringing in all these uh, South American, Latin American players He's looking for an identity for this club. Yeah. And, and obviously with the Hispanic community down in Houston, that's, that's a big deal um, to, to, to bring in all these players. That not just to bring them in because they're Hispanic, but because of the way they play, their style of play, their intelligence on the field. I think these players are going to gel. So that, that's uh, first on my list is excited to see what happens with the Dynamo. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. One of the first things on my list, and I think a lot of folks are going to always be curious to know this, is how Seattle does the, the defending champion. How will they do that following season? Uh, they've already made some great acquisitions that I'm frankly jealous about. Signing Harry Ship, signing... Uh, Will Bruin as well, um, among others. They've already gone through and grabbed a couple of other play pills as w- a couple of other people as well. But you you start your off season by not sitting back and continuing to 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 succeed on and off the field. I think that speaks a lot to what Seattle wants to do going into this coming season. They, they don't want to do this mediocre thing anymore. Like, look, we want a championship. The bar is now as high as it ever can be. And if we don't at least contend in the top three spot next season, I think their season's a failure. Yeah, let's let's face it. You don't want to pull a Portland Timbers and not make the playoffs at all after winning the uh, the cup the season before. Agreed. I would agree with you on that one. I, I'm, I'm curious to see... One of the other things, too, and I didn't mean to cut you off. One no, of the things right. I'm curious about is to see year three of Orlando, year three of New York City. Because they were both pretty eh, first year, second year, 
New York actually jumped up the table and did a lot and kind of gave people some things to get excited about. Orlando still was kind of figuring it out. They got a new coach, Jason Christ. But what does year three entail? That's well, and I'm I think curious. that's that's the big part is for Jason Christ to have an entire year not just eleven at games. the club, right? Exactly. That's that's going to be uh, interesting to see. And of course, Vieri does stay with New York City FC. We thought maybe he was going to take I off after so. getting the team into the playoffs, but uh, but he's still there as well. David Villa staying. Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, it's it's pretty fun to listen to David Villa talk about this league and how yeah. much he cares about it. I don't, I don't think it's just lip service. I think he actually loves being in this league. I, I really believe him when he says that... Uh, yeah, he wants he wants to go out there and win a championship. I would agree with you on that one. I think it's interesting also though from his perspective how much he talks up the league when you basically were already given the league as a whole kind of people are like it's David Villa like when you've got so much great stuff being tossed at you, you know, obviously winning the MVP helps as well too, but before he even came into the league, coming in as this, you know, this godsend for, oh my gosh, David Villa, the World Cup winner. So, when you've got so much positive press backing you, I haven't really seen that much negative press about David Villa as a whole, so I can understand to an extent why he loves this league so much because they might not be as critical as La Liga was. Well, speaking of coaches, uh, Tostin Fringe, I believe that's how you say his I last name, so. from Toronto FC, gets hired as a head coach in the Bundesliga. Good for him. Now, talk about you talk about wow. Bob Bradley not having Premier League experience. Well, now you look at Fringe just coming out of Toronto as a player. Oh, <laughs> Coaching a Bundesliga club. That's incredible. So, so it's it's kind of MLS related. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. Uh, apparently that club is in uh, a big time relegation battle. So very similar to the Bradley thing. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I think uh, you know as an old school U.S. soccer guy, he's just got to teach his players how to creatively save balls with their hands from going in the goal and not getting called for a handball, much like he did against the U.S. in the 2002 quarterfinal. I agree. Talk to me Talk to me about Portland, Simon, because you thought Nagby was gone, and now he's like, actually, I'm going to stay. Well, yeah, apparently Portland wanted a lot more than the $3.5 million that they were offering. Um, I think that's a fair amount, honestly. I, I, I th- for for Nagby? I think so. After the the semi disappointing year that he had this last year, I think his value dropped a little bit. I think he should have been about a 5 to 7 million dollar player, but his 2016 campaign was a little iffy that caused his, his market value to drop. Yeah, and I get that, but I, I think the Timbers are smart enough to know that that wasn't as much him as it was a lot of the injuries that happened mm-hmm. around him. You know, he didn't have anybody to feed him the ball in order for him to feed the ball yeah. up and to make those surprising runs that he likes to make. Um so I can see the Timbers sitting back and going, yeah, you had a bad 2016, but look at the whole picture. Uh, anyways, I, as a Timbers fan, I'm excited that he's back. I'm excited that the Timbers have uh, a Costa Rican national team midfielder as well to add to that, David Guzam, uh, Guzman. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a huge move for them. they got to shore up that defense, and maybe it's just a matter of, of players getting healthy. Uh, rumors are Wadney Wallace is going to come back to the club, which would be a, a big deal for, for Portland. So... Obviously, my wish list is they make it to the playoffs, first and foremost. I've got to be realistic. I can't sit here and say, hey, I think they're going to win MLS Cup. But making the playoffs <laughs> is a realistic goal for them, and, and it needs to be. I agree. I agree. I, I, one of the other things I'm hoping for is that Sporting Kansas City is not a pedestrian in 2017. I think that that's a fair statement. I know that they finished fifth in the Western Conference, but let's be honest, because they started off pretty good, that's the only reason they managed to, to hang on 
and finish in a playoff. Absolutely. Stand. And then yeah. they got, and they got some might say cheated out of a, out of that victory against Seattle because of both goals being offsides. Apparently that Beasley scored and then what Seattle ended up scoring as well too. But I, I sporting Kansas city is one of those teams that if they're not playing well, I think the league suffers in my opinion. Why do you say the league suffers? Because I think they're, they're one of those teams that is that, that borderline. They're not the galaxy, but they're not, you know, Chicago. They're not one of they're they're not um, they're not a low level club. They're not a high level club. They're that you know true American soccer. I feel like kind of club. Yeah, they're right in the heart of the United exactly, States. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. And I, and I ask you that question just to get to that point. Is yes. it, that's it. It's they're in the heartland. You know, they are they are in the. I mean, Kansas. That whole area is considered yeah. the heartland of the country. And to have a team like Sporting Kansas City representing that area of Who the country it is a also. huge thing for MLS. Absolutely. Uh, let me just jump back to Portland real quick too. I neglected to mention about how they picked up Roy Miller as well from Saprissa. Yeah, that's one of the surprising things to me overall. Is all these Saprissa players, not just Costa Rican players, mm-hmm. but all these Costa Rican national team players being signed to MLS from Saprissa? It makes you wonder. When it comes to CONCACAF Champions League, does MLS finally have at least a, an advantage over Saprissa when they when whichever team ends up playing them in CONCACAF Champions that's League? A, that's a curious thing, that's for sure. But I think it's good to show that the league is growing because players that are used to playing against MLS teams are considering in their minds, you know, these teams are good enough that they want to go play for them as well. I mean, Saprissa knows Portland obviously very well. Right. So the fact that these guys are saying, you know what? I would go play for them. That's a, that's a big deal, you know, because some people still might say that, oh, Liga MX is still better than MLS. And for some players to say, hey, you know what? I would I would put my, my career on the line and say, I'm going to go play in MLS because I think this league is growing. A team like Portland seems like a great place to go do that. Well, and then you have, uh, talking again about Houston, uh, Adolfo Machado, who was yeah. the captain of uh, that's huge. of Saprissa going over to Houston. And then Minnesota United, an expansion club, picking up Francisco Calvo. So don't want to keep driving this point home, but I am. It's it's amazing to me, all the, all this movement, specifically some from Saprissa. Uh, moving on to my next wish list it'd be really cool to see minnesota united and atlanta united do well this year i would i would like that honestly and you'd like to think that the way atlanta has rolled their offseason so far that that is going to happen minnesota i think is slowly catching on they're like okay we need to do things right. now yes, yes otherwise we are going to just get buried early on you, you just you wonder is everybody going to be fooled that Atlanta seems to be making all these great moves. Maybe. And Minnesota I could see that. staying under the I radar. I could completely see <laughs> right, the exactly. total 180 swap with these two teams. Uh, I think it was interesting, too, that Minnesota took the time to go back and get and get Miguel Ibarra from Lyon in, in Mexico, saying, look, you were a crucial part of our NASL days. We want you back on this team because we know you can score goals. So it's good that they're getting some of that, that old core back together. Yeah, absolutely, and keeping some of their uh, some of their players as well exactly. from the Justin NASL Davis, team. among others as well too, who's been on the, uh, been on the program right. before. Yeah, I I'm really curious about both of these teams. Um, Atlanta, they've got the number two pick in the Super Draft. Of course, Minnesota has the first. I, I really I, I you'd like to see these teams do well. There's I think there's been expansion teams before that have come in that you like. I really don't want you to do well. I think New York City was a good example of that. When they came in the league because they had Manchester City backing them and they seemed so almost like the Yankees where they had all this money and were signing all these big players. It's like, would you just not succeed, please? And they kind of didn't, which is good. But the way Minnesota and Atlanta are doing it, I think it's hard to hate either of those teams. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I, I, I'm really genuinely curious to see what these two teams do. They're both playing in college football stadiums their first year also, so I'm wondering if that's going to play any effect at all on how the games are played. Yeah, I, I will say the good thing is is that means they're both playing on actual grass, which is True. which is cool. Uh, both those stadiums, I think, are built well. They weren't built for soccer in mind, but they're built well for soccer, especially up in Minnesota. I haven't been to that stadium, but I've watched plenty of games um, Football, college football games, yeah. obviously, you know, being a Wisconsin fan. Um, the seats are really close to the field. So, I, at least for Minnesota United, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. It'll be interesting in the colder months, yeah. start of the season, end of the season, what happens up there in the Twin Cities, exactly. weather-wise. You're absolutely right. All right, we're going to run to our final break. When we come back, we'll do our I Believes and wrap up the show. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Three Lions Pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is just the place for me. They've got everything. Great pub food, a wonderful selection of draft beers, and a brilliant atmosphere, especially during Premier League matches. Check out the Three Lions Pub menu at threelionspub.com, where you can also find all their specials and the great events that take place throughout the year. Three Lions Pub, where across the pond is now across the street. Welcome back to the Attention Era Media Studios. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, finishing up the show, Simon, you have a couple of things you want to dive into before we wrap things up. What do you got for us? Well, Baxter, U.S. Soccer has said that they will very soon announce the whole decision on tier status mm. for uh, you know NASL sure. and USL. Apparently there is word that the New York Cosmos are not dead. I don't know how true this is, but... Um, that they got over themselves, maybe. No, that they're that that they're going to have new owners. But the uh, the NASL as a whole, though, I felt like was was just done and gone. But maybe not. Maybe not. Well, that's that's the interesting thing. Nobody's talking about anything, and that's what makes this so odd. Hmm. Um, so so basically, I, you know, everybody everybody who is a U.S. soccer fan is um, is on pins and needles a little a little bit about this. Makes sense. You know, I, I was actually I was listening to another show today and the former writer for USA Today, Bo Durr, was talking about how US soccer really is in a crisis year right now mm-hmm. with the, you know, women's team with the equal pay argument uh, going on there, the possible strike by the US women's national team, of course, US men's team very uh, likely, well, I don't want to say very likely, but possibly not making the World Cup and and the amount of money they had to spend to fire Jurgen yeah. Klinsmann, basically, and of course not knowing what's going on with 
Division two and Division three leagues. Yeah, I completely agree. So with it's you. it's interesting. It would be nice to get at least one of these things knocked off soon, and this would be the one thing that they could do is is make this announcement about Division two, II, Division three. Uh, so we shall see. I'm looking. I'm doing a little more research here as we're talking about the New York Cosmos to see if there's any articles out there about them actually getting new owners. I don't see any, but that's that's hmm. the rumors going around, anyways. Okay, yeah. That, it's always curious to know when you've got a team that was so popular like the Cosmos. If they do go away, will it affect the American soccer landscape as a whole? We've talked about it on the show before. I think that MLS has done a good job of really keeping American soccer alive. So if the Cosmos go away, I don't think you're going to see a massive drop-off in American soccer following. I think am I, am I wrong to believe that, Simon, or am I on the right track? No, I, th- I think you're on the right track, Baxter. Um, you know, it, what we, what we got to do is get Peter Wilt back on the show and have a conversation with him. I've been trying. Him. He's been a busy man with all this, of course, with the NASL stuff going on. So I'm well, trying to get him back. Well, and what's most interesting about that is... You know, he was trying to lead a push for a Chicago NASL club, but yeah. now it looks like he's he's done with that. Now he's focusing on trying to get an NASL club in Southern California. Hmm. Interesting. He's working with two groups, apparently, and they're doing a study to see if it would even be feasible. Uh, but he did say in this article I'm looking at, SoccerStadiumDigest.com, we're looking at a business plan. No decisions have been made. So... He he obviously still believes in the NASL. He told us that when he was on our show that yeah. look, you know, there's right now the way things are. You look at the way baseball evolved, mm-hmm. where the um, you know it looked like there was only going to be the National League or the American yeah. League, and, and it they, surprised people that they that they grew how they did. Uh, he still believes. I would say that the NASL has a chance to overtake MLS one day. Hmm. I just I still think that that may be a mistake in the way they're going about it. I know NASL has pulled back. On their on them saying we're here to compete with MLS, mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing is NASL does have to figure out what their identity is. Do they want to be a Division Two league? And if so, then remain a Division Two league. They need to embrace that. Embra- yeah. Exactly, embrace it. Um, I, I don't. I personally don't see how USL gets Division Two status, and here's why: you look at some of their stadiums. They, they don't have stadiums that meet the requirements. Mm-hmm. They don't have ownership groups that meet the requirements that USSF put out there uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they said, okay, if you're, if you're going to be Division Two, you need to have, what is it, 8,000 or 10,000 seat Something stadiums. Something like that, I think 10,000. Your ownership group has to be worth an estimated value of $20 million. You need to have a $20 million bond put up in case your club does fold. Uh, you don't see that with enough USL clubs. No, so not I, at I all. don't see how they get Division Especially Two. Especially those feeder clubs of the, you know the Galaxy, sure, TFC sure. Two, and Portland, and all those teams. I'm, I guarantee those clubs are not worth twenty million dollars. Well, the the clubs in and of themselves, no. But I'm sure that part of the MLS can make an argument that well, look, we're we're definitely we're, worth we're twenty million. F- yeah, we're, you know? we're funding them, kind of. But a thing. Uh, but right, right. I I personally just in my gut, I've got no other reason to say it, but. I, just in my gut, I don't want to see development teams in the second division of any professional soccer country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Keep them in third division or lower. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. And then, of course, you get all the promotion relegation chatting. He's like, well, if we're going to finally have clear division one, two, three, four status, because let's not forget about the NPSL hanging around, too. You know, let's get back to the promotion relegation conversation, which we just don't have time for today. It's just, it's, it's a ridiculous conversation. No, I don't think we ever will. Yeah, it's just, there's there's... So much of a history that we'd have to dive into. You're right. Um, but it, it is interesting, Baxter, because even, even on this article here, it, it does note that the New York Cosmos disbanded earlier this month. So yeah, I thought I'll, they were done. I'll, I'll keep an eye on this and see if anything else um, pops up. Yeah. But, but you do wonder if the NASL does announce that they are disbanding, 
total, you know what happens to strong clubs like the Indy 11 yeah. is going down to the USL, really, a thing they want to do. Some of those guys they've got on the team, I mean, we saw when we had Peter Wilton earlier on in the year, they just signed a former Mexican national right. team player. He's 37, 38 years old. That's not really the appropriate age to be playing in USL. Right. You know, if you're, you want to be really capping your USL roster at like 28, 29, because those guys at least still have a chance to move up to MLS. Well, that's the thing is I do want to see in, in the American Division Two teams that are there to compete. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with, again, Division Three being more of a developmental league, yeah, players course. that are hoping to move on to bigger clubs. Yep. But I want to see our Division Two league be one that, that is all about competition. Yeah. I, I have no argument against that, honestly. If you're not competing, you're not making your teams and players better. If we want to continue to grow American soccer, how else are we supposed to get better if we don't push ourselves? That's right. You know, That's I agree right. with you. All so, right. so there you go. There's, there's my big spiel. I like it. All right, time for the final segment of the show. It's our I Believe segment where Simon and I both offer things we believe will take place in the soccer world. Simon, would you like to go first or second? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, go right ahead. Harkening back to our MLS discussion, I'm going to go with I believe that the Houston Dynamo do make the MLS playoffs. Okay. um, And I believe that the Colorado Rapids do not. (laughs) I should have put that in my wish list, Uh, by the way. Yeah, Um, we didn't talk about Colorado at all. There's so many things that you could wish for and feel feel like just I don't. You know, Gashi's fantastic up front. They, they've got a they've got a strong defense, but a full season with Jer- Tim Howard. I don't know. Yeah, well, Jermaine Jones is gone. Yeah, he didn't uh, really do much when he was there anyway. No, uh, you wonder about their midfield a bit. I just, uh, to me, Pablo Mastorani is not a great coach. Hmm. I'll just come out and say I, I don't think he's a great manager. That's uh, interesting, especially when again, you know, he makes comments like I don't I don't need to focus on offense, but. Then he goes out and gets shut out in the playoffs. You kind of need to focus. You on need offense. to focus on offense. Yeah. Um, I just I think some of this some of this um, non actions on Colorado's part is going to come and bite them in the rear end, and, and they're not going to make the playoffs next year. Mm. But I do see Houston maybe going as high as a four seed. Wow. Okay, that is a bit that was a bit ambitious, but I, I like uh, I like it. You you live on ambition. That's I right. Feel like Simon, uh, my <laughs> I believe is going to center around the LA Galaxy. It's talking about a prediction, um, I believe that the Galaxy uh, won't make the playoffs next year. Seems maybe a bit outlandish, but they don't even have a coaching staff yet. Last time I checked, and they've lost a lot of their big players. Well, they've got their head coach. Cardinofolo. Yes. But uh, his success rate in MLS has not been great. Mm-hmm. And, so that's he, why and I'm you're a right. Concerned about that. Lost a lot of DPs. Obviously, they got Zardis. The question is do you build the club around Zardis? Do you build it around Dos Santos? Yeah. I think the easy answer is Zardis. He's the young guy. I agree. And we've but, heard about Sammy Kadira and Jack Wilshire and others potentially coming over. Right. That could be a help. Absolutely. We'll have to see. All right, Simon Proven, always a pleasure. Uh, special thanks to our guest joining us on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line, head coach of the Milwaukee Wave, Giuliano Oliviero, and Bianca Verrar of Vavil USA. They appeared on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. Simon Proven, sir, it was a pleasure to have you back. We will not be here on Thursday. Is we that will correct? not. That's okay. correct. Yep. We're, we're easing our way back in. Uh, the new year has just started. Simon is recovering from surgery. I'm traveling for work. So uh, we'll stay tuned to our social media pages, though, to find out when the next show is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those social media pages are on Facebook, 2UpFront. On Twitter, it's at 2UpFront. Soccer, use that number two. You are at Baxter Colburn, and I'm at Simon Provan. All right, he is Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are 2UpFront.
me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.